what's up? Welcome in tonight. Dogpile. Night two of 14 straight leading up to that second week in June when athletes, players, and coaches are going to be back on campus doing some voluntary stuff. Of course, a bunch of them are going to be back next week, but I think it, you know, kind of officially, even though it's voluntary, all begins on that Monday, June the 8th. And uh, so from a football and everything standpoint, really looking forward to that. I know you are, too. So we're kind of counting it down. Uh, so tonight, second night in a row of 14 straight. Uh, and I will tell you, not every one of these 14 straight uh, nights of podcasting is going to be here in the Farm Bureau studio proper. Uh, we're going to pack it up, going to pack up the extra banner, got a trip to make. And so some of these over the next week or so are going to be out of town <laughs> But I'll still be jumping on here with you somehow, some way. So get your comments in, uh, questions, opinions. Uh, we're going to have a little Ask Me Anything, a little AMA coming up later. But tonight the subject is testing. Let's talk about testing and what little we may know about what the testing is going to be like for these kids coming back onto campus. Hey to Jai and Waylon and, and Matt and everybody who's tuning in. Uh, Linda says, Hey Matt, love your shirt. Let me brag on my shirt. It's my favorite. I've gotten a lot of shirts from the Mississippi State University golf course. This is my favorite one. It's a Columbia deal, you know, a pullover and it's kind of the stretchy material. So it fits really well. It's got the baseball logo on it. You want a shirt like this, you can get one at the Mississippi State University golf course. They are Hale State GC on Twitter. This podcast is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit MSLandBank.com. They understand the lay of the land at Mississippi Land Bank. Anything land-related in North Mississippi, trust me on this. Buying, selling, farmland, recreational property, hunting land, building a dream home, anything land-related, North Mississippi, you go to Mississippi Land Bank. I'll tell you about Country Pleasing and Nesting Wild and all the other folks at Farm Bureau who support the podcast, so that'll all be coming up. And uh, we'll talk testing, then we'll get into some AMA, and of course, um, you guys can comment and chat and talk on Facebook and Periscope throughout. All right, so one more time, going to hit the song just in case you missed it. Big finish. Come on. All right, and now a quick word from sponsors. We'll come back and talk testing. Every farmer understands their farm can't thrive without some good partners like sun, soil, and rain. And farmers in North Mississippi also rely on another important partner, Mississippi Land Bank, because land and farm financing are Mississippi Land Bank's primary focus. We've grown alongside these farmers' crops for more than 100 years. We understand what a farmer needs, and we know the lay of the land in North Mississippi, and that's where I stand. You will sleep better on a Nest and Wild mattress, a Mississippi company, 100% American-made products. Every mattress at Nest and Wild is 12 inches thick, from the twin right on up to the California King. Go to nestandwild.com, order yours, use code BULLY20, that's B-U-L-L-Y-2-0, for a 20% off discount on all sizes and bases, 
and get a free pillow top mattress pad with your order. That's nestandwild.com. Hey, like my hog hat. You want to know the reason that you need to sit down at the table and say, country pleasing, please? Here's why. It all starts with hand-picked pure pork. No parts, no stuff. It's hand-picked ham, bacons, pork loins, the real deal. They produce country pleasing in small batches also, which means consistency in every package. Spices, fresh ones that are mixed daily on site right there at the plant in Florence. Now, their smoke houses are not cookie cutter houses either. They are designed and built for country meat packers and for their own smoking methods. And they use hickory logs that they split daily on site. They don't use hickory sawdust. The logs produce a better smoke, a stronger flavor. It's the real deal. They use a natural hog casing for their sausage. It's soaked in vinegar for a tender snap. Frankly, let me put it this way. It's the best tasting sausage you'll put in your mouth every time. All right, here we go. Thanks for tuning in tonight, y'all. I really do appreciate it. You could do me a huge favor uh, if you're watching and tuning in, and that is to like and share the podcast. Now, obviously, like and share, that's kind of a Facebook Facebook term. And I know we have a lot of folks who are actually tuning in on Twitter, Periscope as well. And if you can share it on Twitter, appreciate that. If you're on Facebook, do me a favor, click that share button, send it around, and uh, that'll help. Certainly will. Uh, as I mentioned, hey to uh, the folks who got him first, Jai and Waylon, Matt, Martha, Linda, hey to y'all. Chris, what's up with you? Good to see you. David, thanks for tuning in. Matt, I appreciate the kind words. Matt says on Facebook, I really enjoy your shows. Max, watching on Periscope tonight. Good evening, Matt, and fellow Bulldog family. He said hey to all y'all. Dorothy, what's up with you? Hey, Bruce. Uh, Bruce also likes the shirt. Yeah, again, the Mississippi State University Golf Course, Hale State GC on Twitter. There's the phone number, 325-3028. All my apparel comes from them, and it is the best stuff. That's the Mississippi State University Golf Course. Uh, y'all say hello to Mark, who is watching on Facebook tonight. Mark buys. Y'all see his comment there. He says, I guess I need to learn the Bulldog Fight song now. Um, that is uh, Mark, the uh, proud dad of a Bulldog, who's now going to be a part of the team. Offensive lineman, recent commitment from Jones County Junior College. Reed going to come over and be a part of the team. Uh, but Mark's, uh, I guess, Mark, what, the oldest? Certainly the tallest boy uh, played for the rebels i know you went to school there and all but um Aunt elizabeth certainly a bulldog and uh yeah y'all got a nice mix in the family for sure looking forward to seeing y'all soon yep mark you're gonna have to learn the fight song if you can just remember the words hail state you'll be okay you know it's kind of like in church if you don't know the words just say watermelon over and over again and it'll fit right just say hail state over and over again nobody will you know bat an eye at that uh Patton, says on Periscope, what are your thoughts on Ginn and the draft? you think he's gone? Yeah, all indications are that he's gone. I had someone text my radio show when it came up last week who said, hey, you know, and I'm on in the uh, Jackson Metro on ESPN 105.9 out of Jackson. It's a big, big, huge station, 50,000 watts, central Mississippi, that whole area. It covers a big area, but a lot of listeners in that, that area uh, that – you know, or in the Brandon area. And somebody said, hey, I know the family pretty well, and he's gone. I saw a mock draft that somebody put out there. They're only going to do five rounds. 
in this abbreviated draft, but somebody had him, I think, at 36th overall. Does that sound about right? Was it 26th or 36th? Anyway, I know he was projected after guys like uh, Foscu and Westberg. But he's gone. Um, Zach is in Pratt, Vegas, Alabama. Hail State to you, Zach, in the hometown over there, Prattville. Hope all is well. I bet you're smelling that paper mill right about now. Waylon says, country pleasing, please. Amen. Country pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. It is the best. Hail State and Bentonia from Reed. Uh, Walking bully. Hanging in there from Madison. What's up with you? Lucas says, what's cracking, Matt? Dog pile after dark. Let's get it. <laughs> Evening to you, Joe. <clears throat> Got a thumbs up there for Mark. And uh, let's see, Maroon and White for Life says, Matt, will you be my Yoda and show me your ways? Hashtag Hail State. What are you drinking tonight, Maroon and White for Life? That's what I want to know. Zach, you know what I'm talking about, smelling that paper mill. It's that time of year. Now in Christmas, something about Christmas, they always, they're pumping it out at that paper mill there outside of Prattville. <clears throat> Every time I travel anywhere and I smell a pra- paper mill, it smells like home. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, let's get into the testing talk. If y'all know any details or have any questions on what it's going to be like, this is what I mean by testing. When we talked to John Cohen, if you watched the podcast last night on Dogpile presented by Mississippi Land Bank, we had the conversation with John Cohen, and in that you heard him kind of talk about new protocols. In other words, there's really just a whole new routine that players are going to be getting used to and going through that will involve testing, but as well as other things like a new routine for where they get dressed. Uh, when they first get back to campus next week, he's probably he said they're probably not going to be using the locker room. Um, a lot of little things, just basic things like coming into the building and like laundry and stuff like that there'll be a little bit of a different protocol. Here's a clip that I took from that interview that, that mentions all, that we're working through protocol. Do we use the locker room or do the kids get dressed in their own place? We're looking through protocols to where they have three, four sets of practice gear. They bring in the old practice gear that needs to be washed while they're wearing the wash version. Even the way that we do simple things like laundry and the way we present that to the kids, it's all important. For now, we're probably not going to use the locker room facility, and we're probably going to let our kids get dressed at home and hopefully live, not exclusively, but a little bit of a hermetically sealed type of existence in the beginning until uh, you know we can get off on the right foot. So you kind of see what I mean. It's just one example of how even little things will be different that everybody will be getting used to. So you heard that conversation. So as a part of all this, Testing for the coronavirus is going to be a huge part of it. The ability to test for it, you know, adequately, consistently, is something that the schools had to get to a point where they felt they could do that in order to say, all right, we're going to bring them back. Right? So the testing part of this is a big deal. Now, obviously, I don't know what it's like. I haven't gone through that. Nobody has. We don't know exactly yet. We're still speculating, but we can read some of the materials that are out there and hear some of the comments, and then I'm going to get to your comments. I want to pass this along to you, a couple of links for you. 
One is over at the Columbus Dispatch. A really good beat writer. I, you know, I know that you know there's been a slew of writers who have been uh, let go, laid off, uh, a bunch who have been you know have been furloughed right now. Um, ben Portnoy covers Mississippi State. He's on the beat for the Columbus Dispatch. Is doing a really good job, uh, in my opinion. He put out a piece today and. At uh, cdispatch.com, the title is Sources, Mississippi State Planning for Football Recruits to Arrive on Campus in Late June, COVID-19 Testing to be Conducted Before Participation in Voluntary Team Activities. All right, so you're going to have to be tested before you go involve yourself in voluntary activities. Now, if I scroll down, this is what I wanted to pass along to you and make sure that, that you and I are on the same page because we're going to be talking about this a lot going forward. The SEC recommended some things to all of its schools upon this vote last week that, hey, we're going to open it up and bring them back for voluntary workouts beginning in June. There are several levels. So listen to what these bullet points are. First, a three-stage screening process. It involves screening testing for coronavirus before student-athletes arrive on campus. Okay, so I guess that, that means they've, they've got to... I mean, I understand that to be... Every team's going to have to communicate with every player that they go get themselves tested somehow before they come back. Next, they test them or are screened within 72 hours of entering athletics facilities and screened on a daily basis upon the resumption of athletics activities. That's a lot of testing. That's a bunch of levels in the, you know, the virus trap of trying to catch this thing before it gets spread around. Uh, There's more. The SEC recommended testing of symptomatic team members, obviously. You got a cough? Come over here and see me a minute. Um, Here's another. Immediate isolation of team members who are under investigation or diagnosed with COVID-19, followed by contact tracing. Who have you talked to? Who have you been around? You got to tell us who you've been even in the same room with. I'm going to test all those people, which follows CDC public health guidelines. Another, a transition period that allows student-athletes to gradually adapt to full training and sport activity following a period of inactivity. So we've had the period of inactivity. The period of full activity might be July and practice in August, best-case scenario. So June, in the middle here, coming up, is going to be that transition period. Voluntary workouts. Let's. It's not going to be as heavy lifting. You're not going to be able to squat with a guy spotting you. So how are we going to, what exercises are we going to do? What lifting are we going to do? Am I actually doing a full-on bench press if nobody can stand over me and spot me? Well, if in June I can't do that to, to comply with this, we're doing other stuff, but it would get us ready to go by the time July rolls around, we can actually start training like a real football team. Does that make sense? So I wanted to pass that along to you. 
If you have any questions on that, hit me up. We're going to do the Q&A and the AMA in just a sec. Now, uh, here's another, and I know it's just an article I found. It's just another example of some things that are out there. It's This is particularly is, is Florida. I know that's a sore spot for a lot of state folks is Florida, but um, I wanted to pass this along. Listen to what Florida said. Florida said that players who live in an apartment, when they first come back to campus, um, no, no, I take it back. This is if an athlete were to test positive. Florida said if the player lives in an apartment, they will self-isolate there. And uh, Florida's academic center will work with campus if the player lives in a dorm. Monitored by medical staff. All right, they mentioned the SEC's guidelines on that three-step screening process to try to catch folks who may have this virus. They are going they're going to test, screen and test everyone and every school in the SEC is going to do this. So think about this. Before coming back to campus, okay? Um, those tests are going to take place as a part of of players' physical exams. Also, athletes are going to be screened every time they enter an athletic facility. And get this. This is one school doing it this way. This is Florida doing it this way. Athletes are going to be screened every time they enter the athletic facility, which will be accessible only by appointment to limit contact. So that means if they stick to that at that particular SEC school, they're saying... Okay, for the voluntary workout portion of this in June, the players are going to have to access the facility by appointment. We're going to have you on a schedule. You 10 guys are coming in here at 8.05 a.m. Y'all leave at 8.30 sharp, six feet apart, and the next group comes in at 8.35. You know, and you've got your appointment throughout the day or however that would work. All of this stuff, I just wanted to pass this along because I think in this journey of going from quarantine and lockdown to gradually opening back up to what I'm telling you is going to be in the fall, barring something crazy happening, is going to be a full-on opening of the university. Students are back in classes. They may be wearing masks, and we're practicing football, getting ready for the season. That stuff's going to happen. And so we're in that period right now. We need to understand that this it, it, we hear, and I'm excited about it too. You know, our players at State are coming back on campus next week. They're going to go through testing, and they're going to start voluntary workouts on June the 8th, Monday, June 8th. Well, a lot of schools, and it may be this way at State too, we're only bringing a few at a time in to make sure they're distanced. They can use the facility by appointment. And we are testing the heck out of them before they get here and when they get here. I just find it really interesting. And here on the podcast, before we kind of get into the other stuff, I wanted to cover this. hope you understand. When I say the other stuff in some of these coming nights here on uh, the Dogpile podcast, we're going to look at positions. We're going to do quarterbacks. We're going to have a night where we go just through the running back position. We're going to have another one where we go just through the receivers and talk about all that. So I'm really looking forward to it, kind of have it planned out. All right, so right now, let's get off the testing 
flip the page just a bit, come back, do q and I'm going to get to all your comments and questions on uh, Facebook and Periscope. We'll do AMA. Y'all can ask me whatever you want to ask me, and we'll do that for a few minutes before we wrap it up. First, though, a word from our presenting sponsor, Mississippi Land Bank. Every farmer understands their farm can't thrive without some good partners like sun, soil, and rain. And farmers in North Mississippi also rely on another important partner, Mississippi Land Bank, because land and farm financing are Mississippi Land Bank's primary focus. We've grown alongside these farmers' crops for more than 100 years. We understand what a farmer needs, and we know the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. All right, let's do it. Whatever you want to talk about is fine with me. Uh, a little Q and A here. Let me and and I've got some questions I know uh, and some comments to get to. Uh, one that's uh, funny. It's always interesting how uh, we have these, you know, split marriages and split relationships, and you know, parents that went to one school and the kids going to another. We have that throughout the state of Mississippi. Um, I would just like to point out that on the Facebook live stream here, Mike. Uh, replies to Mark. Mark, uh, y'all see his comment, whose son is going to be an offensive lineman at State. Uh, Mike says, I can help you out with learning the fight song. <laughs> and I'm going to say you're going to get plenty of help, Mark. Y'all are going to get all the help that uh, that you want. Dorothy is also commenting on the shirt. Uh, just to reiterate, got this shirt at uh, the Mississippi State University golf course. Good timing on the graphic. At Hale State GC, it's kind of a, you know, snug fit, stretchy material pullover with the baseball logo and uh, got it at the Mississippi State University golf course at Hale State GC. Zach says, I would love an October start for the season personally. You know what, Zach? I was actually hearing that that might happen. And I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. Now, I think that everybody is gearing up towards that September play the full season, certainly in this part of the country and in the SEC. I don't know about all the other conferences being as on board with that idea as everybody in the SEC seems to be. But, you know, I had there for a while, just kept hearing that during the shutdown in the months of March and April, a lot of talk about the possibility of having a two-month season, October, November. You know, because October the 1st is a Thursday night. And you would have five football playing weekends in October, and then you would have four in November. That would give you nine total if, you, if for whatever reason you had to back off and play just a conference schedule. Which... If they did that, if that happened, and you're having this major just tweak everything and you know change everything kind of season, I've talked about this on the radio, that the hope for me would be that maybe that would open the door more to the idea of playing more conference games in the SEC. I am for the idea that they need to be playing more conference games. Um, instead of eight conference, four non-conference, one of the four is a power five every year, but two or three of the four are very uninteresting games. 
and tough draws, especially when you put it on a hot weekend and you're playing nobody. Um, and I just think it's better for everybody. It's better for the fans. It's better for the value of their season ticket packages they are buying with their harder money and their harder money in the gas tank to drive back and forth from Starboard. Give them, you know, give us nine conference games. Give us ten. I, I like Nick Saban's idea. I think he's ahead on this. Play ten conference games. I'm all for it. Play ten conference games and two non-conference. You know, and it would eliminate these big, huge gaps of time between playing people. I mean, you know, the fact that Mississippi State, over the next 10 years, will play uh, schools from Arizona and schools from North Carolina. State will play North Carolina State more over the next 10 years than they will Florida. I mean, it's like not even being in the same conference. The scheduling model that you have right now, while it works and, you know, has been lucrative for the conference, um, it's just bad in every other way. And uh, that's my opinion. So, Zach, maybe it would open the door for that. I know this. A lot of people have commented. They would love, love, love for those first games of the year to be especially the non-conference games early, to, to be October instead of September because October would be much cooler and better temperatures for sure. Jamie is in uh, Charleston. Jamie says, Hail State from Charleston, Mississippi. So hi to you as well. Hey, um, before I go, let me give you a heads up <clears throat> real quick. So tomorrow night, I got it right, the schedule right here. Hang on. Tomorrow being Thursday. Isn't that right? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, tomorrow night's subject on the podcast will be details of what a voluntary workout could look like and what it could be and would be. Okay? What it will be. You say, what is a voluntary workout? You know, they can they can come back and get tested and have voluntary workouts. I'll get you some details on what that actually looks like and what that actually is. And then we're going to get into quarterbacks. Okay, but like I said, uh, over the next 14 days, well, 13 now, including tonight, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, offensive line, defensive backs, defensive line, linebackers. We'll do a schedule overview. The last show of the 14th straight, we're going to talk about expectations, uh, looking ahead at 2020 under a new coach. So that's all coming up. Josh, you'll be the last question here. You say, Matt, any word on Schrader? His name hasn't popped up in a while. No talk of the transfer portal. Look, uh, it wouldn't surprise anybody. Young guy who's, you know, the belief was that Schrader signed with the previous coach. Um, but to this point, I haven't heard that. Now, you're right. There hasn't been a lot of talk about Garrett. But he's a young guy who didn't get to redshirt last year who probably could have used a redshirt year, didn't get that opportunity, and had to play and got hurt some and played very well and showed a lot about what he's, what he's made of, I think, as a true freshman. But you've got this senior you know, grad transfer coming in who's an NFL prospect, and we know how those things go. 
And I have been one of the ones who's kind of been out front, it seems like every year up until now, saying, look, there's going to be a competition. Just because somebody transfers in does not mean they automatically are the quarterback. The, the basis of that belief in the past has been that just because a guy transferred in, as a coach, I can't just run him out there if he's not the best guy we have because my team will quit on me. The team knows who the best quarterback is. You don't have to tell them who your starter is. They know before anybody else because they're in practice with him every day. He's the guy who's playing better in practice. He's doing better on film. He's getting him in the end zone more. And whoever that is, got to play that guy because your team deserves that. If it's not the one-year eligibility grad transfer, if the other guy is just better, you got to play the other guy, the young guy. That's why I've always said there will be competition. But Every time I'd go into that, it seems like it was just obvious. Whoever transferred in wound up playing. Whoever transferred in got the job and played at, at every school, at every school. So, and in this case, again, with Schrader being so young, with if he's healthy, KJ Costello being a guy who's already on NFL radars, I think it's a pretty safe bet. We know Costello's going to play for you. You know, again, if he's healthy. So to what you say, Josh, <clears throat> no, I haven't heard any talk of transfer portal portal with Garrett Schrader yet. I have not. Uh, and Ross, my buddy Ross on Facebook, good to hear from you. He says, uh, voluntary workouts have not worked well for me the last 40-something years. <laughs> uh, Mike Leach said it on my radio show himself, Ross. There's just no way. It it's human nature. It's just there's no way these players are doing the same kind of workouts they would be doing if they were on campus with our strength and conditioning staff. That's just the way it is. You getting your workouts in, Matt? Yeah, coach, I'm doing them. Okay. And we hang up and he and I both know. I hadn't done them as quite the same as if the guy, the head strength coach was yelling at me while I was doing it, right? So, that's right. Uh, we get it. You are not alone, Ross. You are not alone. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Night two of a 14-straight-night podcast run leading up to Monday, June the 8th, when those voluntary workouts can begin, and we'll get updates along the way with you. Appreciate you tuning in here to the podcast presented by Mississippi Land Bank, and I'll see you on the next one.